Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi team, and welcome to episode 20 of Runners Only with Dom Harvey. That's me. On this episode... Two raw sisters from Christchurch, the Flanagan sisters, Rosa and Margot. Yeah, it developed over probably four years um, where I ended up literally hitting rock bottom. I um, overtrained, which led to an eating disorder as well, so I wasn't putting enough fuel in my body to do the insane amount of exercise I was doing. Before they got famous, two raw sisters with best-selling books and sell-out workshops Rosa Flanagan was a high-performance athlete on track for the Olympic and Commonwealth Games. But her quest to run as fast as she can and be the best she could be came at a very, very heavy personal cost. It's kind of like an episode of two halves. The first half is Rosa and her story. And then um, in the second half, uh, the other raw sister, Margot, joins in and um, things get a little bit lighter. Um, But I really hope you enjoy it and get something out of this episode. Massive thanks again to the sponsor of this episode, the Huawei Watch GT Runner. Listen, if you're in the market for a running watch, I cannot say how much I love this one. There's so many features. I'd urge you to do your own research. Don't just take my word for it when you're making a big investment like this, but um, some of the features that I love about this watch, the Huawei Watch GT Runner, the weight, it's, it feels like your wrist is nude, 38.5 grams. The battery life, it goes for 14 days, better than any other running watch on the market. The accurate wrist heart rate, the best in the world. And the built-in running coach, so if you're new to running, or even if you're experienced, you can just put this watch on, go for a couple of runs, it'll figure out where you're at and where you need to be, and tell you exactly what you need to do to reach your goals. It's so good. The Huawei Watch GT Runner, you can buy it at JB Hi-Fi, PB Tech, and Noel Lemmings. All right, let's get into the show. Hey, runners only, yeah, yeah, let's get it started, hey, hey. This is Runners Only with Dom Harley. Fast paced, slow and steady, anywhere you coming. Just want to connect for everyone who loves running. This is Runners Only. Yeah, let's get it started. This is Runners Only with Dom Harley. Fast paced, slow and steady, anywhere you coming. Just want to connect for everyone who loves running. Hey, Runners Only with Dom Harley. Runners Only with Dom Harvey. And Rosa Flanagan, one raw sister. Woohoo! <laughs> one raw sister. Actually, um, yeah, there are two raw sisters here. Um, your sister Margot, she's in the background. She might jump on the mic later. Hey, Margot! I'm not a runner, so I'm not allowed to talk <laughs> on the podcast. She's just yeah. in the background there. Yeah, you're lucky we even let you into the apartment. <laughs> yeah. um, she's going to learn a thing or two. Okay, so for anyone that doesn't know the story about two raw sisters and what you guys are and what you're all about. Mm. Do you want to explain? Yeah, sure. So Margot and I, we started up two raw sisters maybe three years ago now. Um, So our whole philosophy is helping people base their meals around their plants. So we say we welcome all eaters into our kitchen, all eaters use our recipes. So yeah, introducing people to plants, how to get them more creative around how they can cook with them in their own kitchen at home, but using cost-effective, simple, familiar ingredients that they're familiar with. 
Oh, God, you guys must be terrible at a barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> do oh, we, no. are, you, are you meat eaters? Yeah, yeah. So we, right. do, um, we do eat meat, so we're not vegan or vegetarian. A lot of people tend to just focus it around their meat and then kind of add the plants on the side and don't really put too much effort into it. So we want to try and flip people's perceptions around how they do start a meal and try and start with the plant aspect and bring in plant-based sources of protein like your grains and nuts and seeds and legumes and things and then obviously top with your meat but you'll find that um, through starting with your plants and grains and nuts and seeds you'll tend to add less meat because it's more satisfying and filling with all those other plant-based things. Right, now what you guys are doing has been um, incredibly successful. You you came on my radar I think a couple of years ago, one of my producers said, um, I follow these girls on Instagram, they've got a massive following You've got to have them in. And I had no idea who you were. hadn't heard of you at that point. But you've done like best-selling books. You do workshops and tours. Yeah, You're all, all over the place. All, all of the above. Um, yeah, so we specialise in plant-based workshops, which we do all around New Zealand and um, starting to kind of reach into Australia. Uh, we have three top-selling cookbooks in New Zealand. Um, we're actually about to launch our latest one, which I can't say the title of quite yet, um, in October this year. And they've been, yeah, the last one that we did salad was top one for about the first 10 weeks it was launched. Wow. Top three since we launched. So, um, no, it's going really well. We've sold over 35,000 copies of that one now. 35,000 copies yeah, of one book? of one book. Because I've put three books out and I think um, the total sales for all of them <laughs> is about 35,000. You no, guys did it in one book. <laughs> I'm going to put recipes in my books instead of yarns about my life. Yeah, maybe you should try yeah. that next time. Now, um... The reason I've got you on here today is um, you've got a, a fascinating backstory. Um, heavily involved with you, um, so you started running when you were when you were, like intermediate. Teams. Yeah, about fourteen years old. Right. I, funny, I actually had to. What were you doing? What were you doing back. before that in terms of sport? Um, I was an all rounder. So our dad was a um, he played cricket for Canterbury in New Zealand. So we always had that sporting background. Did he? Yeah. he like New Zealand, who's your dad? Chris Flanagan. Never heard. Bowler batter. Yeah. Back in the day. Right. When? Like in the 80s, 90s? Um, who was, who was 80s, it? 90s, yeah. Who was, in the, who was in the team with him? Um, oh, don't ask me that. Yeah. I was just there watching and clapping, really. I was quite young <laughs> when he was um, playing cricket professionally. But we always were brought up around high-performance sport and um, going and watching him play. And I always have been a really determined, motivated person and always loved having a goal in front of me. Um, so I played a whole heap of sport, hockey, touch, dabbled in a bit of cricket, um, what else, tried netball, didn't like it, cross country at primary school and things and then when I went to um, high school I got introduced to athletics and cross country and kind of specialised in that middle distance area and that's where my love for running definitely well, started. Were you, were you just sort of naturally good? Is that how you, cause I, I, I went to um, uh, Palmer's North Boys High School and um, I... My mum was a runner, so yeah. I, I joined the Harriers group. Yeah. Um, but most of the guys in the Harriers club were sort of like headhunted. Yeah. So they were like rugby players that were really fast runners or whatever. Yeah. So w- did you have like a natural talent for um, running? And- yeah, kind of. I kind of all started when I got top three in the school cross country and then from there on you get into um, Canterbury's and then from Canterbury's you get into national champs. Um, and I remember 
one national, um, one Canterbury champs I got in the top ten, and one of my good friends was a runner as well. But she had a coach and was getting trained through this coach. And mm. a couple of people came up to me and said, "You've got such a great, you've got an awesome running style. Like, have you ever had a coach before, or like do you train?" And I was the person who rocked up and had done a couple of runs down the driveway, which was about a k long, and that's it. Um, and then yeah, my friend just said, "Come along to athletics." Um, one night after school and see if you like it and then from there on it um, just kind of continued and developed and I got a coach and got a program and started training with my friend. Amazing. Yeah. And, um, and you were really, really, your, like, your specialty event was sort of like the 3,000 and 5,000 metres steeplechase. 3,000 metres steeplechase and 5,000 metres. Oh, just 5k, yeah. okay. Why would anyone do the steeplechase? I've, every time I'm, I'm at a, a 400 metre track and I see those, those gullies, are they called gullies? Yeah, um, the water jump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Why, why the hell, it looks awful. I know, everyone looks, when I say it, everyone's like, how the hell did you get over those steeples? <laughs> but I, pro, I started in cross country actually um, and I, back in, gosh, probably 2010, I went over to the world cross country champs. Um, in Malta, which is a wee island just below Italy, actually, and I got um, fourth there in the wow. Open Girls, and that was yeah where I actually was like, should I? I'm not too bad at this. I can keep going. When I had this idea in my head that I was good at something, I keep striving for more, and you know, it just have, gave you that sort of goals. hunger. Yeah, have yeah. these goals ahead of me, and um, yeah, I'll, which I'll talk about a bit later, it kind yeah. of developed into something not so healthy. But um, yeah, cross country was probably where I started and then I started in um, 1,500 metres and then from there you have the 2,000 metre steeplechase and then you do the 3,000 metre steeplechase. Right, so what age are we talking here? Um, I was probably about 16 years old. Right, right. Yeah, so quite young. I was and you're going to like Malta for, for these events, yeah. that's phenomenal. Yeah, well I had to actually, I'm um, not going to lie, I had to have a look on the internet under my portfolio in Athletics New Zealand to see what I actually did, because <laughs> I look back now and I actually... You sort get, of blocked it out. Yeah, it feels like a lifetime ago, to mm. be honest, but... Um, so how old are you now? I'm uh, 26 years old. Right, so, so 10 years ago. Yeah, so okay. I went to World, Ch- World Youth Champs in 2013 in Ukraine, and I did the 1,500 metres there, um, and then... What sort of times are we talking? 1500 meters my pb was 412 shit that's good yeah eh? i was actually oh, wow that's good i did actually write my notes down what so about that i can tell you my times <laughs> but um yeah so that was that was my first kind of other than the cross country my first kind of experience of that whole world stage and how intense it is it's not just your you know, national champs even, or your Canterbury champs, there's a whole lot of people and it's very off-putting and it's, yeah, believing in yourself, I suppose, and that you, you're there for a reason and you are worth being there. Yeah, I did get very um, nervous in all of my events. Like, I would almost be scared at the thought of probably more so the pain I was going to put my body through. Mm. Um, I, I love – I got that runner's high afterwards and with training and things, I absolutely loved training and the high it gave me, but racing it was terrifying at some points. Is that right? Why, yeah. so, why, why, why so? Is it just um, nerves that you weren't going to... Not going to um, burst my bubble or anything, but I was very lucky in the fact that I was winning most of my races um, in, like, in New Zealand and then I wasn't in the back group and 
on the world stage. But it was probably more the pressure I was putting on myself to, um, you know, for my coach and my family and friends and things like that. And there was always qualifying times to meet. So I suppose having those in the back of my mind and I'd always put, yeah, all this pressure and expectation on myself that overrided everything. So just a fear of letting, letting other people down. Yeah, pretty right, much, right. yeah. Yeah. You um. Do you do you still have that now with your your business stuff that you do? Um, you, is this? I mean, I suppose what I'm asking is, is this just what you're like as a person? So whatever you're doing, you're going to put that pressure on yourself. Yeah, it definitely has. It's quite funny, like the traits that you um that I learnt from sport, being motivated, determined, and that whole putting pressure on yourself and dealing with that pressure, um, has definitely transferred into my business life now. Now mm. that I've retired from running and still do it for fun and casually, but with my business like that's my that's my main focus right now and um, I've definitely had points where I have you know over consumed myself in business and work and being able to be aware of that and stepping back and having those tools in the back of your head on how mm. you can bring yourself back yeah um, because anxiety is a big thing for me which I suffered both in when I was running and with my business and yeah it's just learning to learning learning to manage it yeah how do you how do you manage it um, I actually meditate a lot. I've just yeah. really started to get probably in the last couple months. I've made myself really like be pretty consistent with it. Um, for a while, I'd kind of dabbled in it here and there, and didn't really see much in terms of the results of it. And I thought, no, I actually need to do it consistently. So I've been doing that, even if it's like ten, fifteen minutes a day, which yeah. has really helped me. Um, and then, yeah, just having booking things out for yourself, appointments out for yourself, and not. Yeah, learning to switch off, I suppose. And yeah, I suppose like the difference between what you're doing now with business with um, two raw sisters and you as a, a runner. I mean, you've got your sister to help you now. Yeah. So you, I suppose you can balance each other out and you can lean on each other for support. Um, yeah, running's a, it's a very individual mm. and very lonely existence, isn't mm, it? It is. Yeah, and I um, that's Marg and I always say like, gosh, we're so lucky to have each other with you know in the nature of what we're doing right now. But yeah, sport. I suppose I loved that individual side of things because it you know you do the work and when you put yourself on that track or on the cross-country track and everything you've done is in your hands type of thing and yes that can obviously put a lot of pressure on yourself but at the end of the day it's it's you doing the work you're not relying on other people to win the win the match or win the game mm. but you were obsessed right like, yeah I've I've um more than this, well, I think. Well, I, and I've read stories about you, and you um like you wouldn't even listen to your coach. Like yeah. you, your your coach would give you training to do, and you'd sneak out and do extra training. Yeah, yeah. That's that is fucked up. Yeah, it is fucked up. Yeah, but well, at the time I was super oblivious to it all. I suppose going back to that, I was running the best I'd ever run, um, both um, internationally and Nash in New Zealand, and. Obviously, when the results are coming, you just want to keep going and going because you see this potential ahead yeah, of you. For sure. And then people, other people see this potential in you as well and are thinking, gosh, like you'll make the Olympics next year and you'll make the Com Games. And then from those comments, you then put that on your shoulders as an expectation from them. So, um, yeah, it developed over probably four, four years um, where I ended up literally hitting rock bottom for. Those four years I um, overtrained, which led to an eating disorder as well. So I wasn't putting enough fuel in my body to do 
the insane amount of exercise I was doing. Um, why, weren't, why, weren't you, why weren't you eating properly? That's one thing I love about mm. running. It gives me <laughs> basically permission to eat whatever I want. Yeah. Why I were, you, um, what, were you Were you trying to get your weight down? I think for me a big thing was um, body image. I think with uh, especially females, it happens in males as well. But, you know, I had this idea of what an elite successful female athlete looked like in my head and I needed to get to that point. And, you know, it's that thing where you look yourself in the mirror and you're never perfect enough. And I constantly was looking and dealing with that every day. And I suppose that was a way restricting myself. There are the things that I could control, my training and my food intake. And that was a way that I could get to my desirable image of being an elite athlete. Mm. Um, Which, again, like looking back, when I was in that situation, I wasn't super aware of what, I was doing the damage I was doing. I was more worried about the results I was getting with my running and where it was taking me. She's like an obsession. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I always say, like, oh, I had a running obsession and everyone starts laughing. <laughs> but it's actually, it can be a thing. That's You'd right. become addicted to it. It's yeah. like, yeah. Okay, so, um, well, so you, so you were legit good. So you were you were a real, if you kept at it, even though yeah. it would have been the wrong thing to do for you physically and mentally, mm. you, you, you would have been a real chance for, like, Olympics and comms. Yeah, well, I did actually um, qualify, but I got wow. injured. <laughs> so that happened to me twice. Um, and that was just a sign of my body literally breaking down yeah. before me. Um, and it took me, like I had to hit rock bottom in order for me to realise what I was doing, and I was super lucky in the fact that I had, we were talking about injuries before, I had no injuries over the space of about six years of running, and I don't know how I got away with it, because all of a sudden it literally all came tumbling down on me where I had like six stress fractures in the space mm. of a year. It was literally I'd recover from one, get back, do 20Ks in a week, and then it, I'd be down again. So um, It's it, your body telling you something, isn't it? Literally, yeah. And, um, yeah, it just got to a point where I had to kind of weigh things up, and I was super lucky in the fact that I was at a certain level where I had all the support around me. It wasn't that I didn't have any support. I had dietitian, endocrinologist, physio, psychologist – all around me, but it was my the issue was was that I wasn't listening to them. And like you were saying before, like my coach, I had an awesome coach who I just didn't listen to. Yes, I did the program that she gave me, but I added more on top of that. Yeah, which is bonkers. You, yeah. you must look back now and think. Oh, you know, I don't know how I did it. I don't know how I did it, and it's um, yeah, it's something that I look back and I think. You know, do I regret it? Do I not? And I think no running's actually taken me to some amazing places all around the world, and I've achieved a lot. But my one concern was is that I didn't achieve what I wanted to achieve with the injuries got in the way and my mental health. And yeah, I look back now and yes, still getting over. Um, no, not regrets. It's still like sometimes depending on what mood I'm in and um how I'm feeling, it does sometimes make me quite emotional still thinking about it and realising, mm. you know, gosh, I did all that in the space of eight years and I didn't quite get to where I wanted to be, but still I've learnt so much from it. Yeah, so, so what do you mean? So emotional in that you're, you're, you're proud of what you did achieve or emotional in that you didn't quite do what you exactly wanted to do? Um, it was probably more what I went through in terms of my illness. So yeah. what I had, what, what I was diagnosed with was called Red S, so it's... Um, not a lot of people have heard of it, so it's relative 
energy deficiency in sport. So it's a combination of amenorrhea, um, low bone density and low energy availability. Mm. So obviously a combination of all of those. And um, yeah, it's thinking what I put my body through during that time, like breaks me and Mm. the consequences, like the long-term consequences that could have been a result of all of that. I was so lucky in the fact that I stopped at, when I stopped, um, so I could actually get a re- like a decent recovery. Yeah, in. no long term sort of yeah, damage. No yeah. long term damage. Like there are a few underlying things that I just have to be careful on, but um, majority of the things I've been really lucky in. Um, but also like what I put my family through as well. Like my parents like had to deal with me during that time. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask you about that. So yeah. you know, it's, as you mentioned, your, da- your dad's a high performance sports mm. guy. He plays plays for the New Zealand played for the New Zealand cricket played. team. Not now. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so what what did you get down to at your last? Um, so I got down to forty one kgs <sighs> at the age of sixteen, and I had a four percent body fat percentage. Which did, did you look unwell at forty one? Forty one's not. A, yeah, a lot of weight. Yep, you looked very unwell. unwell yep. Why, did, why didn't, did your parents try and intervene? They must have been worried. Yeah, yeah. No, every everyone tried to intervene, but just I wasn't listening. I was so focused on my running mm. and yeah, my performances, as I said. But um, it's amazing when you, you know, like running for me. That was my life. Like I knew nothing other than my running. I was never at school in my last few years because I was either overseas competing, I was out training and missing class, or I was, yeah, my head was not in the mindset to be doing English when I had a race the next day. Did you did you enjoy it at the time? Like, um, um, or were you just like, I mean, because it just seems like you had like laser-like focus. Yeah. Was, was there an element of enjoyment in it or not really? Yeah, yeah, there was an element of enjoyment, but I was in my own bubble the whole time. <laughs> To be honest, I um, wish I didn't have to go through all that to, you know, to to do what like to do the results that I got. But it's just it's just what happened, and yeah. yeah. And you um you didn't you didn't reach puberty until like um twenty two twi- yeah yeah so I didn't get my period until I was twenty two years of age. What's the average age for getting for your period? Like twelve, thirteen, yeah, fourteen. Yeah, twelve, yeah. And I didn't even get any bleeding throughout that whole time. So some people get their period and then it stops due to the training that they're doing and racing and things like that. That's quite normal to have. Like that's a normal oh, thing to have. Yeah, yeah, and then you it's just like the period of your training as well. Like you. Might be, you know, right, we've got a big block of competing, like you might lose your period during this time, but when we are off recovering, you might have two weeks off or you might have a, a block where you're doing lower um, intensity stuff, then that's when we try and get the period back. But, yeah, I didn't have my period the whole way through. So you you weren't even concerned about that at the time? You were just happy that you were running running fast? No, everyone <laughs> everyone else was, but um, bar me. Really, everyone enough. else was concerned. So, you, yeah. so you, your younger sister, how many years younger are you? I am two years younger. Two years. So, so your younger sister, she's like getting her, reaching puberty and getting mm. her period before you. At that point, are you not like shit? Something's not right here. No, because I, to be honest, I didn't even really know the importance of what a period, mm. like why we needed a period. Yeah, well, I, I, I suppose at that age, also you're not thinking about having a family yeah. in your twenties or thirties. Well, exactly. Or, yeah. Exactly, and it's something that yeah, obviously wasn't on my wasn't on my mind and wasn't a priority for me. Of course or, not. Yeah. 
my priority was literally my running. And, yeah, I look back now and I've definitely learnt, um, well, because I was working alongside an endocrinologist. And What's that, by the way? Pardon my ignorance. So, no, it's a, yeah. um, like, it's a person who works on female okay. health hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I, for example, I went to her um, and, like, you get tests and bloods done and they didn't detect any um, hormones in my body. So that's... The reason for that was because I had such a low body percentage um, and body fat percentage, sorry. And um, yeah, she literally said, you need to put on weight or you're not going to be able to have babies when you're older. So how old were you when this conversation took place? I was 18 years old, so still hadn't had my period. And was that like a... Like a wake up call for you, or at that age you're still thinking, I'm, 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 I'm running like mm. a demon here, and I don't want to have kids anyway. Yeah, well, there was probably there was a year where I was seeing her and was kind of like, oh, yep, cool, like, what not, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like, I've got, I'm travelling to Portland next week. Like, I've got world champs. I've got shit to do. Um, so yeah, that was what I was thinking. But there was a there was one um, appointment that I went to go see her, and I'd just been overseas come back and um, I was I had a stress fracture in my hip actually and I wasn't allowed to run because of my stress fracture or couldn't run at all and I was um, cross training in the pool instead which I absolutely hated. So I'm guessing from from what we've <laughs> learned about you so far you get injured and you can't train you must just be I just devastated go, and shitting yourself about losing your fitness. Yeah or I just go smash myself in the pool Whatever I could do to keep up my fitness, I'd do and probably end up doing even more training than what I would if I was running because I was scared of yeah losing my fitness and getting behind pretty much. But, yeah, I went to my endocrinologist um, for this one appointment and I'd just done a whole lot of um, blood tests and she literally sat me down and what I loved about my endocrinologist was that I could sit down and have a really good conversation with her. Like we were... She approached it in a very gentle way because I used to have another endocrinologist before her and she just was like, you can't do this, you can't do that. Like I was supposed to be going over to World Youth actually and she was like, you can't go. Like, And I was like, you can't say that to a person who's so obsessed with running, you know, like <laughs> I have to go and do this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I sat, sat down with her and she was like, you, you have to make a change, Rosa. Like this is getting really serious now and... Mum, I remember mum and my coach were in the appointment with me as well and yeah I got home and mum sat down and had a chat to me and then from there on I was like shit we've got to we've got to do something about this because it's not looking good at all mm. um, in terms of my bone density um, my hormones like I said no hormones detected in my body I had the bones of a 70 year old at the age of 18 um, that were just breaking in front of me with all my stress fractures um, and then obviously not having my period as well so yeah, it kind of hit hit home really hard that day. And it's like years of neglect finally caught up with you, right? Literally. And yeah. I sometimes say, like, you know, this. I actually met up with my coach for the first time since I'd retired um, a couple of years ago, and I was holding that off because I was so nervous to go back and just talk and, um, you know, be back in that whole running environment. And, yeah, and I talked to her, and she was like, gosh, there's so many females just – you know, from 14 years of age, just going down that same pathway. And it's so hard because you can only say so much. At the end of the day, it's up to, you know, the individual to make those changes and yeah. do something about it. But, yeah, for me, and I always say it's quite often they have to hit rock bottom and get injured and have to have time off 
running to have time mm. to think about it. Well, from from hearing your story today, it sounds like you were rummaging around at rock bottom for yeah, a long time. For a long like, time, you were trying to go deeper than that. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Unbelievable. Again, so I'm um, so oblivious. Like the when I went to um, so I went to world champs in Beijing in 2018, I think it was, um, and I was like the sickest I had been um, at that point and I was there to compete in the 3,000 metre steeplechase and Sickest uh, so like you were terms, performing well though so yeah, from, I was an, from an outward perspective you yeah okay. performing well um, but things were starting to slowly break down in terms of I just like had a couple of stress fractures before I went over and but I'd obviously recovered from them and um, I could just now that I look back really notice like my body was just so low in energy and it I find it really hard to believe that, you know, I got sent over there to compete in the world champs when I was in that state. Obviously, I didn't... Do you feel like someone like one of the officials should have should have noticed? Yeah, or, I don't know. Like, if, yes. you, if you're doing the qualifying times and you seem happy Well, that's the thing. Uh, you just obviously go and do it. But if I was with someone who was in the state that I was, I would definitely probably say something. But mm. again, like there's... A lot of, it sounds like you wouldn't have even listened, though. No, exactly. Well, a lot of female athletes are pretty thin, and it's just the type of person they are, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. So, in the end, was it um, was it a hard hard decision to retire, or was it just like a necessary decision? Um, I was probably it was in the back of my mind for about six months. Um, I actually had had a lot, of, obviously, with my stress fractures, had the time off to um, recover from those and then I was just about to get into it again and I sat down with my coach and um, talked to her about you know the next couple of years and wanting to make um, the next Olympics and then I remember I was trying to qualify for a race that was in Australia which then was qualifiers for qualifiers for the Olympics and I um, injured myself on a steeple at, in Christchurch actually while we were training just before we were about to go over to Australia and um, I just yeah broke down I was like oh I don't think I can actually ever do this again like my body's just not coping um, so I did try to get in back into it and it was really hard to let go because I felt like running was my identity and that was the only thing people knew me by like Rosa the runner and like what's your next running <laughs> event and you know it was just yeah yeah I was like, how can I let that go? And obviously I'd been with my support team from Athletics New Zealand for the past like five, six years. And I'd it's my day-to-day thing that I do. I go in and I see my physio and I see my coach and I train at the gym at high performance. And it's just something that was my life and letting go of that. It's like, I suppose, leaving a job. It's like that's your that's all you've known for so long and stepping out of that and having the confidence to step out of that and knowing that you're making the right decision took a long yeah, time bloody to hard. process. Bloody hard, yeah, yeah. especially when, you, when you're good like you were. I suppose you you know gave you some sort of importance in a way. Yeah, and it was also that doubt in yourself of am I right, making the right decision? Is this the best thing to do? Am I just giving up? Like is, yeah, if I just keep trying, will I be able to succeed what, what I want to succeed? Um, so at the start it was probably a, me seeing it as a f- 
I failed type of situation. Mm. But you don't, you don't feel like that now, though, do you? No, no, I don't feel like that now. Do you, do you, do you think there'd be still part of you that would feel like that now had you not been so successful with your next venture? Probably, yeah. yeah well, yeah. I, that's the thing I always say, like, gosh, I've been so lucky in the fact that I've had two real sisters to go straight into. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's been my focus and I've got so many goals within that that Margot and I both want to succeed together. Whereas if I yeah didn't have anything, I think definitely that would have mm. led to some mental health issues in terms of just feeling lost and not feeling like I had a purpose and not mm. knowing what I want to do with my life. How, how, how long do you think it took you to get over it? Because I've, I've had some other people on the podcast. I've had mm. um, Shane Cameron, the boxer, on, and he yeah. said it took him seven years to get over the fight with David Tua. Yeah. Um, I had Jimmy Nisham on, the cricketer, and he mm. said um, he still thinks about the World Cup final that they lost mm. to England, like most days. Mm. How long did it take you to get over the running? I'm probably still not over really? it, to be honest. Yeah, really? yeah. So, mm. uh, yeah, like I was saying, like sometimes like we did a talk um, a couple of weekends ago and I started getting really emotional talking about it. And, yeah, it's something I refer to and think back to probably most days. Wow. And I've got this big box at home that has, like, all my medals and all my – I quite I often, like, kept diaries of when I was travelling around and touring and um, photos from all our tours with all the team. And, yeah, I every now and then I do look at it and I think, oh, my gosh, um, that definitely feels like such a lifetime ago but so close as well. Mm. Um, and, yeah, in ways you think, like, oh, gosh, I wish I was still doing that and a part of that culture and, yeah, but obviously I'm not, so, mm. yeah. So what's your relationship with running like now? Do you still run? Yeah. still run a bit, yeah? Yeah, I still have been running. It was actually a funny story. I signed signed up for the Queenstown Half last year, but it was cancelled with COVID. Sure. But leading up to it, I put so much pressure on myself all of a sudden and, like, got into my old habits even Did though you I really? wasn't, yeah, even though I wasn't. In terms of what, like you wanted to not just finish it, but do a good time, yeah, or yeah, do a good time, and like getting really caught up around training and how much training I was doing, and I, I suppose for me, all I know running is as being a super competitive sport <laughs> and being yeah representing New Zealand on the world stage. That's all I know it is, mm. pretty much. Do you think? Do you think it's um. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's part of that an ego thing. Like you're like, oh god, it'll look terrible yeah. if I run like two hours. Well, People it, will be like, oh shit, Rose is shit these days. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's again, that. there's that identity thing as well. Mm. People have known me as the runner, and yeah. when they, the, again, that expectation and pressure that you just put on yourself of, gosh, like this person's just a casual runner and they've never been an elite athlete before and they've just bet me. <laughs> you know, like. Or like me comparing my times of what I'm running now to what I was running back then, but I'm like I can't compare that because it's no, so it's different. Not, like that was my job and yeah. my life, and now it's just like and it ruined you too. Uh, yeah, it wasn't exactly, good for you. exactly. And now I need to. I'm learning, and I think I'm nearly there to see it as just something I enjoy and an outlet from work and from anything that's stressing me out. Like I, when I'm in that state. That mindset, I love it. I enjoy it so much. Mm. I can just keep running. Whereas as soon as I, which I found with this Queenstown half marathon that I signed up for, was like I all of a sudden put all this pressure on myself and expectation. Um, but I've actually signed up for the Queenstown half this year. So hopefully it all goes well. <laughs> well, it, well, it seems like you're, you're aware that you're doing these things. Yeah. So I suppose it's just... Um, 
having that mindfulness of keeping yourself in check and, and you know, pulling yourself back into line if you Literally, yeah. And I'm so lucky in the fact that I can I've learnt to do that and I know what to do when things like that pop up. But yeah, it's just something that's always going to be there and it's like, for example, I would kind of refer it to when I had my eating disorder. It's like something that never necessarily goes away, but you just know how to manage it and you're aware of when mm. those signs in your head come up and when to shut them down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, shit. Um, yeah, I mean, I've never run as fast as what you have, but it, it, it's got to be hard going from like doing four minutes for 1,500 yeah. to five-minute kilometres. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you must look at your watch and go, oh, man. Yeah, some days I'm like, far out. <laughs> to think that I would just freely run like a, you know, a four-minute bloody tempo run, and here I am, 5.30s, yeah, <laughs> dying. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, like I said, you can't, I can't compare myself to back then because it's just a completely different thing Absolutely. that I'm doing. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. Um, okay, so what are, you, what, are you, what are you doing an average week? What are you running on an average, average week? You run most days, every second oh, day? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Definitely oh, not. Oh, so it's not, like, it's not like a regular part of your life now? No, no I, kind of, I kind of go in ebbs and flows of it, really, to be honest. Um I definitely want, now that I've got the Queenstown half coming up, I definitely want to try and do a little bit more. But it's, again, a big part of what I've learned throughout this whole thing is learning to listen to my body yeah. and not feeling pressured to go out and run a certain amount of Ks per week. So yeah. I'm not putting that expectation on myself. And that's definitely helped me um, in terms of that whole obsession and yeah, that expectation side of things. And now I just, if I feel like going out for a run, I'll run and I've got... Um, you know, I've got the beauty of being able to run as far as I want to run. If I only mm. feel like doing 6Ks, then that's all I need to do. Like, I don't have to go and run 10 or 12Ks because it's, yeah, obviously from following a program for six years yeah. of my life, I've had a thing that I had to do every single day and, like, a certain amount of Ks and a certain amount of, um, you know, what time you need to do it and whereas now I'm like, no, just enjoy it, go out and do what you want to do and Yeah, get some air in your lungs, get yeah. the endorphins flowing. Um, yeah, because I find the, the, the mental health benefits for me from running, eh? yeah. it's just next level. Well, that's the thing. When you look at it from that side of things, like running is awesome for me in that way. Like I love coming home and especially when it's like autumn, winter, like the nights are getting a bit darker, like just going out and getting some fresh air mm. after work, shutting everything off. From work and then coming home after your run yeah. and having a shower and you just feel so good. Yeah. How is your mental health for the most part? Um, yeah, it's pretty good. I, yes, I've like suffered a lot of anxiety around it, um, around running and um, work. So do, you, do you still have that now? Like if, if you and your sister are doing, doing, a, doing a big event or an important event or something, uh, does it um, sort of flare up again or was it not, just mainly running based? Um, I don't normally get, I don't really get anxiety around like, the whole like talking in front of people in events it's more around like if I've got a <clears throat> like a massive workload that I've got ahead of me and people are firing all these phone calls in my direction and wanting some you know x amount from me I get quite anxious really quickly thinking that I've got all my eggs in like 50 different baskets and I can't keep control of all of them and just yeah. Oh, I think that's normal. Yeah. If I have I more know. than three things on my to do list, I freak out. Yeah, I know, I know. And it's again it's just learning how to manage it and yeah. not also like with being with two or sisters, like people expect certain things from you and you know, like you might get a shit couple of shit messages on Instagram, it's not letting that get to you and you know, stuff like that that you just What sort of shit messages could people have for you and your sister? Oh, yeah. What are we talking about here? <laughs> 
Oh, you know, there's just those people Margo, out there. Margo, can you think of anything? <laughs> I can, but I'm afraid if I say it, pe- these people again will be offended. Oh, no, 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 you share, do share. I'm not, not going to listen to a podcast called Runners Only. Okay, well, you'll get the hate mail, not us. Okay. We were making food to go away and we were like, oh, Invercargill, you know, there's not many good places to eat. Yeah. And these people yeah, were yeah. like, oh my God, I can't believe you say that. Go fuck each other and all this. And I'm like, chill the F out. Oh, oh that's all right. That's all right. They're just sticking up for the air. Sticking up for the air. People in Invercargill are very protective <laughs> they of are. their town. They are. I, I remember I, I was in, the first time I went to Invercargill, I, I um, went to a gym and had a session. Then I went to um, Pack and Save or Woolworths or whatever. Yeah. To, and I was looking for like a, like a protein bar. Mm. And I said to the lady at the checkout, after I looked for a while, I said, do you have protein bars here? And she goes, you've got more rows over there. <laughs> God, but no, we love him. Yeah. yeah, we do yeah. love it. But it's just, yeah, it's quite funny what we get. People sometimes. are sensitive. They People are very are sensitive. sensitive. And, and gosh, and, you got to be aware of what you say. And sometimes. you guys were wrong. There are plenty of good places to eat. There's Subway. There's yes. Peter Pitt. There's <laughs> Pizza Hut, McDonald's, yeah. <laughs> lots of fried we, chicken places. <laughs> <laughs> we just weren't seeing those. Yeah, we need um, to open our eyes more. It's funny that though. I like um. Yeah, Mean, you, you can you can scroll through and see like a hundred really nice comments, and then it's the bad one yeah. that feels like it's highlighted. I know. Well, it's that's tough. the thing. It's just those little that little wee thing you said. Like we didn't even notice. Sometimes you don't even mm. notice, but people just pick it up and then just fucking slam you. Yeah. But anyway. So, um, right. Margaret, we can probably get you into the conversation now. We'll start talking. Start talking to Royal Sisters. So, so, um, yeah, Rosie, you finish. You finish the running. Yeah. Whose idea? We're is... done with Rosa. It's all about <laughs> me now. <laughs> so, who? Where, where does the name come from, and whose idea was it initially? Is there was it a, like a joint thing, or was there one one of you two that was more the instigator? Um. Well, long story short, when we first started, we were doing like raw things, so cooking nothing over forty six degrees, and then. Um, we kind of went, if that, no one eats like that. And, you know, everyone in New Zealand's got that meat and three veg culture. Yeah, yeah. So that were, we were already building a name for ourselves, so we just kept with the two raw sisters, mm. and now we just say raw, whole, unprocessed ingredients. It's funny, though. Some people don't think we're sisters. Like, we'll get through a demonstration or a talk, and we're like, who, who thinks we're sisters? And they're like, shit, are you guys sisters? Mm. Really? They, 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 how do they not make the connection? I know, exactly. <laughs> Tell me about it. Are there any other siblings in your family? We've actually got an older brother, Matt, who's in Auckland, who right. we're staying with. Yeah. Oh, cool. What's yeah. he, what does he do? He works for Ray Glass Boats. Right. So yep. if you need so, a boat, yeah. go see Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does all their sails and stuff. So that would be good to see him. Yeah, geez, high-achieving family, eh? He calls himself the um, one-cooked brother. Right. Oh, that's good. <laughs> and what are your parents doing now? Are they still doing real estate? Yes, are yes, they, doing... they are. Down in... Christchurch, right. more so like Rolleston, Lincoln area, rural stuff. But yeah, right. they're still there. They used to work, you guys, when you were kids, you used to like deliver pamphlets and stuff for them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They, those yeah. good old days. <laughs> yeah. Got us to do Got the jobs. Dropped off on the side of the road in the middle of Rolleston <laughs> with a backpack full of pamphlets. Oh, you should have, I, I was a newspaper delivery boy for a while and I just, the, the, it was the free newspaper in Palmer's North. I just dumped it in the creek. <laughs> you should have dumped your parents. 
Dump your parents' pamphlets. Yeah, yeah we did them all. Yeah. I'm like, why aren't we getting any sales? Yeah, There's no, no listings. One's, yeah, no one's turning up to our open homes. Yeah. Um, geez, they must be proud of what you guys are doing. You've, 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 you've um, <clears throat> come such a long way and you've done so much in a fairly short period of time, haven't you, with this business? Yeah. We never really no, talk about it. No, they're, they're really good in the fact that they don't – like mum, mum's involved in the business a little bit. She helps me out with the accounts and things. Yeah. Um, but they're really good in the fact that they're not – they don't put pressure on you or like keep – you know. T- talk about it all the time they know when to step back and to just let us do our thing because they've got now they've got full confidence in us at the start they were not too sure on where we were heading with our business and what our plans were and we're a bit skeptical but now they just they know what we need to do and also having Dean our manager like he he's more he kind of controls that side of things and mum and dad just step back and yeah right watch it all right and what were you two like growing up so the age gap of two years me and my brother, we're the, the same age gap, and uh, we were very competitive and sort of hated each other. Were you, were you guys like that growing up, or were you quite tight growing up? Um, we kind of were tight, and then we had a bit where Rosa was running, and she, like, was how she was talking, very much absorbed in the running scene. And I we didn't care about my family. No. We <laughs> really? Up, no, literally. <laughs> Pretty much. Seems like you didn't care about anything no, apart from your just times. Me. Yeah, Nothing. just me and my times. Yeah. <laughs> She really didn't. She's not joking when she says that. <laughs> so we weren't that close then. We were really competitive with each other because I was trying to run too and then... Yeah, Margaret, that must have been hard, hard for you, I'm guessing, because um, so you're growing up, your dad's plays for the New Zealand cricket mm. team, so you're, you're your dad's daughter, mm. then your sister's a good runner, and then so you're the sister mm. of the good runner. Yeah, and I would, like, Rosa never got injured. I always got injured, and I was always that person who had something wrong. <laughs> oh poor you Yeah and yeah that was when we weren't that close at all And then we went over to the States for a bit Just us two To do a bit of study And then we obviously started to Raw Sisters And that's when we got quite close right. But I think it was discovering our Different unique bodies Like we're actually quite different people mm. And we do very different things in the business And I think it's like You just complement each other nicely Yeah, yeah. recognising yeah. that And now we work really well together Because mm. we don't well, like we know our boundaries. Why did you go overseas and study? Um, so I was a, I was over You can there study for, for free in Invercargill. Yeah. <laughs> you can actually. Someone told me that the other day. Just bring your own food. <laughs> um, no, so I was going over to qualify for World Unis, and Margot was like, "Why don't I come over with you?" And so we did a culinary school over in um, Venice Beach in LA. Oh my god, amazing. Yeah, so we lived over there oh, for about sick. five months, like right on Venice Beach. It was amazing. You must have, you must have stunk of weed when you came yeah. here. <laughs> I don't think we'd ever smelt weed in our life when we just walked onto the boardwalk and were like, it's literally oh, everywhere. Yeah. yeah, literally. But it was awesome. So there was a weed doctor right outside our apartment, yeah. actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, so during the day we would um, do the culinary school and then. Morning and afternoon, I'd train, and Margot would obviously train with me because she had that expectation of she needed to do what I was doing. And then in the weekend, we'd travel around America to the races that I needed to do. Wow. So it was pretty intense, and, yeah, that was a point where we looked back and we're like, how the hell did we do that? Like Getting up at that time in the morning, like biking to the track, biking back, being on our feet all day in the culinary school, then doing more training in the afternoon and then flying round in the weekend actually competing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean you were you were always gonna crash, weren't you? Yeah, it was, exactly. it was just a matter of time. Yeah. Yeah. Really. But um 
it was, it's all a learning yeah. curve. Yeah. And, it, you know, I don't think I'd be where I am today probably without all those learnings and um, experience behind me. And Marg and I, yeah, I suppose we always say, like, Two Real Sisters was pretty much developed through our own personal journeys. Mm. And um, our love, you know, now for educating people on creating that healthy, happy, sustainable lifestyle. Yeah, because Margo, you've had your own shit going on as well, haven't you? Um, chronic fatigue. And yeah, well, while Rosa was running around the tracks, I was in bed for two years. <laughs> she didn't notice. <laughs> no, yeah, I didn't notice. <laughs> so, who's yeah. that girl asleep in the spare room? <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, again, my, yeah, I was very different to Rosa, and I think that only adds to the uniqueness of mm. Two Real Sisters and what we try to promote because some people, you know, will have that running obsession, and then some people have a lot of women have endo. And chronic fatigue is becoming scarcely mm. well. It's becoming incredibly common now. Mm. Yeah. What does um What does endometriosis mean exactly? It's like lesions in the uter- in like around the pelvic area within a female. So mm. it causes a lot of pain, and um, if it gets really severe, then can you know you have to have a hysterectomy or yeah, lots of difficulty having babies. Mm. And as I learn to live with my endo as we were talking about earlier with the different types of um, exercise that trigger particular symptoms like running and high intensity training they definitely trigger a lot of my pain so Mm. I think well and this is what Rose has figured out it's just figuring out what works best for your body and you enjoy the run every now and then but then sometimes you don't yeah Yeah. I know that I can only do a certain amount per week now before I Mm. injure myself yeah is that right yeah yeah, I right. just... Um, Your body's just refusing to cooperate literally. anymore. Nah, no more. <laughs> um, it's like if you love running, then it's just figuring out what, how much you can do until you trigger a symptom or something. Yeah, yeah. So do you guys have like a five-year plan or a three-year plan or anything? Where do you want to, where do you want to take oh, this thing? You're onto book number four. Or do you, you, you know what Dino's like. <laughs> yeah, yeah this, is, um, this is Dean Buchanan, your manager. He, yeah. um, he used to be like a radio boss in New Zealand. He... Um, he, he he tried to um, get me and JJ from the edge a number of years ago, and um, we um, had like all these clandestine talks with him in, in hotel rooms. Like we were sneaking around; it was like having an affair. Um, and then we ended up staying, but he got us a substantial pay rise. Yeah, no, he's awesome. He mm. never stops. Well, just like Margot and I, probably. Um, but in the five-year plan, um, yeah, we've got our book coming out, fourth book coming out in October, and then um, there'll probably. There'll be some more books um, coming on after that. And then we have an app out at the moment, um, but we're moving our app um, onto an iOS app, um, which is exciting oh, at wow. the end of the year. So that means it'll be in like, the Apple store. It'll be in yeah. the Apple yeah. store. So, yeah, we've just found that there's some limitations that are, are arising. The app's great at the moment, but it'll just be great having that iOS app um, mm. there. But and yeah, that, that won't be till next year. Jeez. And then um, Next year, not into expanding into Australia. Right. Mm-hmm. That's our kind of big focus for the rest of 2022. Our books are over there, so we'll go over there and do some touring and get our name out there. Yeah, yeah. just just don't go all weird like Pete Evans. No, no we won't. The paleo don't, guy. Don't you worry, we won't be doing that, <laughs> Tom. But yeah, a few other things um, that we can't disclose. Oh, there's a lot on the go. Yeah, lots, lots of fun mm. things. But it's, it's, it's cool because we can actually, like, We've started the business at such a young age that we can build it to how we want it to be. Um, I I'm, I live part-time down south with my partner. and it's with your lover boy. With my lover boy. And it's nice being able to, you know, know that 
in the long term, I do want to be down there. So how can we make the business a passive earning business? Yeah, and Margot's yeah. partner travels with his music. So it's, yeah, creating it exactly how we want it to be and so that in five, ten years' time yeah. we can do what we want to do and it's not so hands-on. Yeah. So let's talk, let's talk partners. So you, you're on a farm in Timaru? Oh, shit, you've done your I've research. I've done my research. Wow. I was, about they, me? That was playing in the back of my mind. I'm like, you should have gone into the cargo. <laughs> Lady, you live on a farm in Timaru. So how did you guys meet? Um, actually through a really good friend right. of ours. Um, so he went to uni with her and flated with her, and then she actually ran with me, Millie right. Morgan. Yeah. So um, We were all wondering the day Rose would get a boyfriend. Yeah. How long How long you been together? Ooh, two years. Yeah. Yeah. Is he the one? Yeah. You talked about yeah. having... Oh, okay. Yeah, he's Oh, really? Yeah. Am I getting an exclusive here? No, you're not. No, no, no. you're not. No, we um, talk about engagements far too often. But no, I'm I'm there. Yeah, half normally half the week, but because we're touring around touring around a lot at the moment, it doesn't really happen as much yeah. as I'd like it to. But mm. yeah, no, he's he's good. He's yeah. deeper. Um, and if you you talked about having kids and stuff. Do you do do, do you know if you can have kids? Um, yeah. Well, that's been a thing that we've been. Well, I not sorry. <laughs> He, he won't listen to this anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> do, they, do they even have internet in tomorrow? I don't know. Yeah, it's not, you know, not, not too good out there with the Wi-Fi. Um, have to go on chance for that. No, um, well, I, yeah, that's one thing that I'm really cautious of from my previous experience with um, only getting my period until I was 22 years of age. So I've actually just been getting some blood tests around, you know, how good my fertility is because... About five years ago, it was very bad. So mm. hoping, fingers crossed, that it's not in dire situation. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so just getting those looked at at the moment. So, yeah, but I think with the recovery that I've had and all the other things that have picked up, including my bone density and um, having my period regularly, um, it's looking pretty promising, so that's good. Awesome. And yeah. what about you, Margaret? So it's a musician. Yes, you Who is he? Anyone we know? Do you know Nomad? Oh, mama. Oh, yeah. You get in it. my <laughs> head. Oh, mama. <laughs> yeah, so Will, he's my partner. He's just gone out on his own as Goodwill. So look him up. Right, look him up on Spotify. Yes. Did they have that Hey Geronimo song as well? Was that no, that, was that, that was How many know, band yeah. members have you been through? <laughs> uh, I... <laughs> Will definitely won't listen to this. <laughs> no, I kind of went through the band before I got to Will. So. Oh, no way, really? How yeah. big is the band? It's not like an uh, orchestra, is it? No, no, no. no. Just, just ten people, just, no. Just, no. No, no, no. It's no, not no. fat for his No, just, just, just went through two out of three. So not that many. Um, sorry, I had to bring that up. Get her on the spot. So um, yeah. what, what, what was Will's position in the band? He was lead singer and guitarist. Right, right. So who did you start with before you worked your way up to the lead singer? He won't listen. <laughs> you're fine. Just another guitarist. <laughs> another guitarist. Well, at least you got standards. You didn't give the drummer a home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Guitar only. <laughs> um, so yes, no, I'm with Will, and that's good times. And I'm just in Christchurch. Yeah. And what sort of um, what sort of music is he doing now that he's solo? He's kind of doing indie pop. Right. I would say. Um. Yeah. He's just just got two songs out now and launching his EP in 
August. Right, Jess, it's lucky that you're doing well because um, you're going to be supporting him. Yeah. <laughs> Music's a tough industry. <laughs> it's tough, unless yeah. you're 16, not many, not many people are making money. Yeah. yeah. And how long have you guys been together? Um, we've been together coming on four years. Oh, shit. Yeah. Wow. So She's a bit ahead of me. <laughs> right. a, little, a little while. Right, are you you're getting um you're dropping lots of hints about getting oh, engaged all the time. Yeah, are you? Send him the ring <laughs> most months. You should he's keep, a, keep doing so that. Guys love that. Oh, he loves really? it. He's no, so, absolutely not. He's so accustomed to it. He just you know, yeah. doesn't say much anymore. Side swipes it. Yeah, and do you take quite a big interest in each other's like careers? Yeah, well, he's obviously very creative mm. as well. So I mm. do a lot of the creativity within Two Raw Sisters. So. Um, we definitely bounce ideas off each other, which is good. He's come up with pretty much all the cover ideas for our cookbooks. Right, right. So, yeah, no, he's, he's very helpful. He is creative. very helpful. And right. in, especially touring in terms of music and sound. Yeah. Sound, mostly. Yeah. He's mm. great. And can you sing? Fuck no. <laughs> we were in lockdown, and he was like, I really need this girl to sing on my song. I was like, holler at me. And anyway, we auto-tuned the shit out of it, and it still sounded horrific. <laughs> No, definitely not. <laughs> we were one of those few kids who didn't quite make the choir at school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I was in um, my school choir at um, primary school, and um, Mrs. McGrath put me right at the back. Like, as far away <laughs> I wonder why. Yeah, <laughs> I look back now, and it's like, you know, you, you don't realise it at the time, but it's like, that was really fucking rude. Yeah, <laughs> I out. should have had hurt feelings at the time, but I don't know. Yeah. She's probably dead now, so I can't, <laughs> I can't tell you how I feel. Hey, um, it's been wonderful seeing you guys today. Yeah, you yeah, too. Thanks, thanks for, for having us. us. Yeah, um, yeah, Rosa, thank you for being so open with your story. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah well, open okay. books. What, what advice would you have for, like, any, um, say, young female athletes that are listening, for, listening to the, this today? Like, to what, listen what? to the people outside of you. If they're telling you that you need to slow down, um, put your health first before you're running, if you're in a really serious situation like I was, definitely step back and take the time to really invest in your own health and well-being first before smashing your body. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it's the it's the long-term consequences especially when you're a young athlete, it's the long-term consequences that you don't necessarily think about like having kids and um your bone density and osteoporosis later on in life that yeah. it's not a concern or a priority when you're 14 years of age. So yeah, definitely listen to the professionals around you and um don't thrash your body at such a young age. Make sure you go through all those essential processes like getting your period and developing and going actually going through puberty before getting yeah really intense in your sport and I think running. from what I learned from you there's so much more to life than mm. just that yeah. like early stage mm. you know yeah you really did have to learn the hard way didn't you yeah I did actually but it's 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 amazing when I do talk about it now like I've done quite a few talks around my experience and my running journey and how many young people are feeling the same way mm, mm. that they are, and it's very often it's the individual putting the pressure and expectation on themselves, not others around them. Oh, a hundred percent. I think most of the time that's probably the case. Yeah, exactly. And it's a matter of yeah being able to step out of that situation and but having yeah hearing stories like mine or from anyone else who has been going through those things. It's it's always comforting to hear like you're not on your own. Mm. It does happen to other people, but here's what. We would advise to do um, if you were stuck in a situation like yeah. that. Yeah. And Margot, what, what advice would you have for any um, y- 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 young women that are a fan of a band but they can't decide what member to ask? <laughs> <laughs> ask out. Go through them all until you find the right one. 
only way to do it, isn't it? Four years later, <laughs> happy ever after. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Hey, well, thanks for coming over today. Thank thanks you. Thanks for having us. Rosa and Love Margot it. Flanagan, Two Royal Sisters. Um, what's your Instagram handle? At Two Royal Sisters. Yeah. Go give us a follow. Do that. Lots of great content on there. We're touring at the moment, so extra great content. If you're from Invercargill, get in their DMs. <laughs> give them a piece of your mind. <laughs> please don't. Yeah, please don't. All right, see you guys. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. Bye. Thanks very much for listening to this episode of Runners Only with Dom Harvey. That was uh, Rosa and Margot Flanagan, two raw sisters. If you don't follow them already on Instagram, give them a follow. Uh, they post some really, really good content with some really good recipes and stuff. Thanks again to the sponsor of this week's episode, the Huawei Watch GT Runner. If you're in the market for a new watch, I would urge you to consider this one. Do your research. Don't just take my word for it. You can buy it at JB Hi-Fi, PB Tech and Noel Lemmings, but it's got so many features. Too many to talk about right now, but a few things I love about this watch. The weight, it feels like there's nothing on your wrist, 38.5 grams. The 14-day battery life, which is better than any other watch of this type on the market. The accurate wrist heart rate. And also the built-in running coach. So you can just put this watch on, go for a couple of initial runs. The watch will then work out uh, what you need to be doing to reach the goals that you want to. It's so simple. The Huawei Watch GT Runner. Thank you very much for sponsoring this episode of Runners Only with Dom Harvey. And thank you for listening. Hope to see you next week. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.